Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Today I'm joined by Emily Pike, an auto service technician at Hefner Lexus in Kitchener, Ontario. Hey, Emily, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's our pleasure, believe me. So I guess <laughs> we'll, we'll start off pretty simple. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, why do you enter the automotive aftermarket? Uh, my name is Emily Pike, and I'm an automotive service technician at Hefner Lexus. Uh, I also run the Featuring Inspiring Women Instagram page and website where I speak with women from all over the world who actively work in the trades and I share their stories and experiences just to bring more awareness to not only women in the trades but the trades in general to try to get some young people encouraged into checking it out. I'm also a mentor with Skills Ontario. I just recently started that at the end of last year. Loving it so far. Looking forward to getting in touch with them somewhere. Um, yeah, Skills Ontario is a fantastic organization. I mean, we we participate with them on quite a few things. It's, it's really great what they're doing, and I think it fills a huge need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... I've only had one meeting so far, but I absolutely loved it. I loved everything that they stood for. I loved all the like in-depth questions that they asked. It was amazing. I know you also recently finished up your apprenticeship. How was doing that in the middle of COVID-19? Was it disruptive? I mean, how would it differ from sort of a traditional experience? I mean, it was disruptive. We would do one week online and then one day in the shop the following week. So, I mean, it made it better in one way is that we did two days of schooling a week instead of the regular one day. And, one day and was the reasoning behind that to sort of just keep people away from each other as much as possible, sort of cycling them through? I think so, just to kind of get it done faster so that you, know, you don't have to go to the school as much. So every week we would have one mandatory day, which was for me Wednesday. On Wednesday, one week, we would be in the shop. And then the following week, we just have theory. And then every Thursday was a theory class. So so how would that differ from your typical apprenticeship? I mean, doing it all on Zoom, for starters, that really yeah. sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it made it very difficult for everybody to focus like what, on what we were talking about, on what was going on, what we were supposed to be learning. When you're trying to be a technician, it's very hands-on. It's very visual. Like, I can imagine that would be, that'd be even more difficult. To, to learn sort of on, on a Zoom setting. Yeah, definitely. Even the shop days, like you had to stay six feet apart and that makes it difficult when you're trying to diagnose and fix a problem and trying to get, you know, our worksheets done. And because they had cut our shop days in half, we were moving faster through the shop. So it was like, okay, quickly, quickly, quickly do this. They cut out a bunch of stuff. So, I mean, it, it kind of sucked. It was really terrible. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. It's unfortunate. And I mean, in defense of the shops too, I mean, I would assume they're kind of having to learn how to be, you know, safe and adapt to the whole COVID-19 thing, including PPE and just setting up a different, bunch of different protocols. So they're kind of got their hands full as it is. On the topic of training, there are some who say t- today's techs aren't getting the training that's required to service the vehicle. I mean, it's probably especially right now in COVID times, but even before that, I mean, it's always been sort of talked about in our industry and especially on how to service vehicles that are coming out. So with 
increased driver assistance systems with autonomous driving hybrids. Is that something that you agree with? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think we spent more time learning about carburetors than we did about hybrid vehicles. <laughs> so it's sort of really fantastic, yes. Yeah. Do you know how many carbureted vehicles I've seen at Lexus? Zero. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess that's not surprising. <laughs> so in your opinion, what, what would be a better way to be able to sort of swing that? I mean, to, to adapt to today's kind of environment. Well, I think we need to spend less time on carburetors and more on, yeah, like hybrid vehicles, fully electric vehicles, our electrical classes. I mean, they were great, but it didn't go into as much depth as they should have. We learned about all the components, but it was mostly just in passing by. A lot of the instructors had no idea about all the new systems on cars, like the self-driving or even just like parking sensors, stuff like that. It's always changing. And we would be telling the teachers about the systems on the vehicles nowadays. And the teachers would have no idea what we're talking about other than what they've seen in magazines or read about, oh, this is new and improved, right? But they haven't actually worked on it. Yeah, that's part of the problem too, is having, whenever you're teaching anything that's in such a rapidly evolving field, I mean, if you're not out every day fixing these cars, if you're not dealing with these new systems day to day, I mean, that's really the only avenue there is to you. So, I mean, it's it's not an easy fix for sure, but I don't know if there's like one straight up easy solution other than having part-time teachers who are still spending the majority of the day, you know, ground on the feet and just dealing with these day-to-day issues. Yeah, or I think the instructors need a little bit more training, which sounds awful. Don't get me wrong. I loved my instructors. They were amazing, but they're out of date. They're out of touch. Keeping them up to date with new things coming out on vehicles and updating the curriculum a little bit would help so much. Yeah, and, and that's not an uncommon sentiment either. So I guess you're probably getting kind of a lot of on-the-job training or a lot of on-the-job education. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it helps that Lexus also has uh, additional training, like through Lexus Canada. And that's to, in the end, achieve your master hybrid certification. But that really kept me up to date. And I was doing that on top of my regular schooling. And I mean, that was so beneficial i i don't know how other people not in the dealership life are handling that well and and i mean that's why it's part of that's why it's such a big issue like for the independent shop guys is because they have to be able to service eight different kinds of cars from eight different manufacturers each has their own kind of quirks and funny things and i mean a lot of them will cross over especially especially in the electrical systems and with no real resources out there where you don't have a, a parent like lexus canada providing that training it can be really difficult and it's it's one of the big issues facing us today yeah absolutely i completely agree i commend the people that work in small shops and still make a killing at it because i would have no idea where to start yeah it really speaks to how much uh how much passion is important and how much you know self-motivation you can get you and i just wanted to circle back to the skills ontario um thing we talked about a little bit so for our listeners who might not be super familiar with Skills Ontario, I mean, we, we explained it as trades, but can you tell us a little bit more about that, what it encompasses and why you decided specifically to get involved? Uh, so I just wanted to help bring more awareness to women in the trades. And I was already starting featuring inspiring women and just giving um, voices to women in the trades 
in my research, because, you know, that's what I do in my spare time is I research women in the trades. I came across Skills Ontario and they have like a whole woman's mentor section. And I was like, what? I love this idea. So I needed to be involved. Uh, I was invited on one of the panels. Uh, I don't even know who we were speaking to. I think it was an elementary school or a high school or something. And I was on a panel with five other women and we just, we shared our experiences. We told them about our jobs because we all had different jobs. There was an an electrician, a millwright, a bunch of other people. And so we all just shared different stories about being in the trades and our different job titles and what we do and our training, how we got to where we are. And I loved it like so much. It was ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's an incredible organization. Like I said, I mean, they're doing such, such great things. There's such a great lobby for the trades in Ontario. And same thing with Skills Canada too. It's, it's, they're really doing an outstanding job. Now, one final thing I wanted to touch on. In your class, I mean, I guess it was sort of less in-person than typical. What was the sort of ratio of women to men in your education? Uh, So in level one, I was the only female in the class. And there was about 30 men. And I was the only woman. In level two, there was another girl in my class. So there was two against 30, which was really incredible. And then in level three, there was a, a different female in my class. So I got to meet two of them. Well, slim pickings indeed. <clears throat> That's, I mean, unfortunately, you're you're one of the few proud, capable females who go into the trades. But I mean, we're, we're very lucky to have you. Well, I I I just love what I do. <laughs> I wish more people would find that that passion and love their jobs every day. It would make the world a lot happier. I completely agree. Obviously, being in this industry, we're all gearheads. We love cars. What is your all-time favorite vehicle? I have a four-year-old daughter who is named Eleanor. I think it's gone in 60 seconds. (laughs) From the Mustang and gone in 60 seconds. I'm a huge Mustang fan. And although like a cherry red 67 would be my, that would really make my heart go. Eleanor was just, she was another one of my favorites. So I am beautiful car. I know yeah. that, that, that was the first time I actually like had like a wow moment with the car. I mean, I was a young kid watching it, but yeah, so was I. Yeah. There's nothing like Nicholas Cage to help sell a car. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I encourage all of our listeners go out, follow Emily. She's really, really making a move with females in the trades. And I mean, just all over the world, it's really something. So Emily, take it away. So you can check me out on the website, which is featuringinspiringwomen.ca, or you can find me on Instagram, which is featuringinspiringwomen at featuringinspiringwomen. Um, or you can find my personal one where I post absolutely nothing. It's emilybikes07. Um, I also post everything on LinkedIn, and you can find me there, Emily Pike, P-Y-K-E, please don't spell it like the fish. Emily, thank you so much again for joining us. I loved chatting with you. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.